why not me too? You know, like, like I saw the, the potential because it's like back then people didn't really, you know, people even just still had, um, uh, dialogue with I've spent the last two years learning from the best social media entrepreneurs out there and implementing the skills and ideas they have taught me in order to grow two successful social media businesses. After some time though, I realized that social media was only part of the story. As I expanded my network, I kept finding young entrepreneurs with multi-million or even billion dollar businesses that weren't doing anything on social media. Instead of building their personal brand and selling courses, these entrepreneurs were solving massive market needs by creating the next Airbnb or Uber. But the real question is, as a young entrepreneur, which of these options is best for us? Social media influencer or startup founder? That's where this podcast comes in. With a mix of interviews with people from both sides of the aisle, you can see what appeals to you and how you can take the steps to start and grow your business immediately. Join me and follow along as I sit down with some of the top social media influencers and startup founders in the world to ask the most important questions and extract the information you need without the fluff you don't. My name is Apple Kreider and welcome to Young Smart Money. Here we go. Welcome back to the show. I am super stoked to be joined today by Christine Mendoza. Uh, Christine is someone who has started and sold multiple businesses across uh, different areas from brick and mortar to online and I'm super stoked to share uh, her message with you guys today. So uh, Christine is going to be talking primarily about uh, her experience uh, starting her, her first couple businesses, um, first in the modeling industry and then moving to online businesses and then even uh, some brick and mortar uh, restaurants, bars, clothing stores. It's going to be a wild ride the entire way. But one of the recurring themes that uh, Christine comes back to is the idea of self-work and the idea of working on yourself before you go out there and try to find uh, fulfillment or satisfaction or, or, or just like sort of completeness from the outside world. Uh, throughout her entire journey of making a lot of money, losing a lot of money, making a lot of money, um, she, she has learned one of her biggest takeaways and one of my biggest takeaways from this conversation is that um, you're, you're much better off looking for that fulfillment, that satisfaction, and that completeness uh, within yourself before you go out there and try to find it in other people or in growing your business or in, in any external source. So that's something we're going to be talking a lot about in this uh, interview today. It's going to be less on the business tactics side and more on the um, sort of personal development side, um, Christine's story, and really just how to make sure that as you do grow your business, you're growing yourself at the same time, and that those two trajectories are sort of going with each other instead of sort of clashing with each other. So I'm super stoked for this conversation. Um, I know I got a lot of value out of it, and I'm sure y'all will as well. So uh, without further ado, do let's welcome christine mendoza to young smart money all right christine welcome to young smart money how are you doing today hi i'm very good how are you i am doing well i'm excited to be speaking with you today so our listeners heard a bit about you and what you're doing over at face and body in the intro to this episode but for those of them that aren't as familiar with who you are and what you're working on right now give us a quick 60 second overview of what face and body is and what you're doing over there um, well, Face and Body is a website and podcast. We are here to motivate women, help them with the healing process, and also teach them uh, finance tips, um, building your credit, 
um, business tips and basically helping women um, achieve their dreams and be a better version of themselves. Awesome. Well, I'm stoked to dive into that. But before we do, I start on a flashback in time um, because I know you have a very interesting story and, and I want our listeners to get a taste of that. So talk to us about your early upbringing and, and, and sort of growing up, sort of like middle school, high school years um, and, and what that time period was like for you and then how that brought you sort of into the world of, of entrepreneurship. Um, I'm a daughter of a Filipino immigrant woman. Um, I grew up in Southern California in a very low income area. Um, my father was still in the Philippines. Um, my mother was um, petitioned by her brothers who are in the US military to have her come here um, and have a better life. So I grew up in a very, I guess you can say an underdeveloped area at the time. It was like a still, it was like a farming um, area in Southern California. So a lot of immigrants uh, migrated to that area. So I, um, I grew up basically raising myself. Um, my mom worked seven to seven since I was, as far as I can remember, since I was seven, eight years old, maybe even earlier. My memory of that, I don't really have much, to be honest, other than being alone and always just, you know, um, waiting for my mom to come home. So, uh, that was my memory of my childhood. Um, my mom is a great mother. She worked very hard, but uh, since she was um, an immigrant and there was a big uh, culture clash, um, maybe even a generational barrier for between her and I, um, we really didn't um, relate on a lot of things as I was getting older. And since she worked so long, um, seven to seven every day, uh, she was always tired from coming home because she worked a factory job. And uh, yeah, that was basically my upbringing with her. Uh, my father later came to America when I was 10, about around 10 after my sister was born. We would actually visit my dad every time we had um, the funds to be able to go back to the Philippines. So I did see my dad uh, in my early childhood years, but it was far a few between only when we were able to buy a plane ticket. So um, I don't have bad memories with um, my childhood because I knew what they were trying to, to do for me. And I knew that um, <clears throat> they worked really hard and they were just trying to provide. So mm. uh, growing up with that and going into high school, I was probably maybe one of five Filipino people and uh, out of that like 20 Asians and um, <laughs> including as Filipinos so uh, it was it was hard because since it was a low-income area it was a very big um, uh, I guess you could say in the 90s it was a lot of um, gang it was like the gang culture mm. so a lot of like rivalries with um, races um even rivalries with your own race because that was a that was a big culture back then mm. uh, obviously it's still around but um i think the birth of gang especially gang culture in los angeles was around uh late 80s and 90s mm. and i kind of grew up in the tail end of it but it was still very apparent and um i was bullied for my race i was bullied for my body 
because I, I, I don't know, I developed very early. I developed about when I was 13, turning 14. So I've had large, large breasts. And uh, that was always weird because, you know, usually mm-hmm. 14 year old Asian girls don't have big boobs. So that I just, I was popular, but um, not necessarily a good popular because uh, people were, were weird, like guys were gross. <laughs> And girls were mean, so I was bullied a lot for for that, and even getting um, attacked, having to fight my way through school. So I didn't really feel comfortable going to school um, because, you know, growing up alone, I didn't really have a very good social. Um, uh, I wasn't very social. I just didn't really know sure. how to yeah. deal with people because I just always just dealt with myself. And um, going into high school was totally just a different beast because I was becoming a woman or a young lady and I was developing and I just didn't understand like why people were mean to me because I just was like, what's going on? Um, But I went into high school with a 4.2 GPA. Um, So I was an AP honor student and I became an F student. Because, really? yeah, because I just didn't like being there. I didn't like the stairs. I mean, like, it's not that I was, like, so beautiful. Or It's the boobs. It's kids, you know, they don't, they don't really see boobs at that age, especially. Yeah. And I even had some curvy teachers. And it was really awkward to just get an education. Because when lunchtime would roll around, um... I was uncomfortable because that's when people would try to, you know, bully me or try to fight with me. So I couldn't even eat lunch um, comfortably. Hmm. So were you still going to school or was like, where did, where did the F's come from? I dropped out of school at 16 and got a GED because I did try to um, keep going with my education, but it became hard because um, if you're trying to just deal with being alone and not really having someone to talk to, and then I took the bus, I walked to the bus, then took the bus another 40 minutes to school because where we lived was, a, was still like a farming area. Hmm. So even just to get to school, I had to walk and had to sit on a bus. And then um, I didn't really see my family. It was just school and then back. And then I also had a job after school. So I didn't really have a lot of interaction with people that loved me um you know times were really hard so I had to work but I did want to pursue my education but that was hard because I didn't have many friends and the friends that I did have um you know like I, I didn't feel um I still didn't feel like I fit in because uh it just didn't feel like I belonged I don't know, it just didn't feel right to me because I was still being judged regardless of someone was nice to me, you know. So even in my AP classes, they would laugh and be like, well, why is she in here? Is she in the wrong class? Because they judged me for what I look like. They assumed that I was stupid or whatever. (laughs) So it was like I was getting it from both sides. I was getting it from the people that wanted to beat me up and the gang activity and all that. And then the smart kids were like, you don't belong. So I'm just like, where am I going? <laughs> um, so I just ended up 
failing. Um, I tried to talk to counselors. None of them really, you know, tried to help me. And I didn't really get a lot of assistance with my situation. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of look back at it now being a mom. It's like, how do you see a child that comes in at a 4.2, all of a sudden become an F student within the year, and no one steps forward to try to ask, what's going on? Are you okay? Because I didn't get it then. Back then, I was still a child, and I thought that this is just how schools were. I didn't know um, that they had more responsibility. I guess I was just a lot more naive. Um, But now, as an adult and as a parent, I I just look back, and I'm like, wow, it sucks that there are a lot of other kids that go through this, and a lot of uh, counselors and principals and teachers don't care. So... Um, that upsets me because I look back at my younger self and I wish that I had someone that really um, was there for me or even just educated me on what was right and what was wrong and how to actually get the help I needed. Absolutely. So moving forward in time, I'm curious, when did you start or when did you sort of find a place where you felt comfortable? Because it sounds like throughout that entire period of high school, it was just a lot of discomfort and and, and going from place to place and not really having like a a real secure like space or group of people that you could turn to. So when did when did you find that? Um, To be honest, I don't think I ever found it until a lot later on in life. Um, You know, when I got my GED, I was working multiple jobs. Um, At one point, I was working four jobs, um, three to four jobs, but my my biggest was four minimum wage jobs because I wasn't going to school anymore. And I, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, I'm never going to get anywhere. Um, I mean, like, how, how do I get out of this? Um, and although I was working that many jobs, I was still helping my parents because I just felt like that was my duty as their daughter. Um, and, you know, so, I was like, well, I need a life, you know, and I need, I need uh, a future and I can't work these jobs for the rest of my life being sad and depressed and, and regretting. Maybe I would have regret that I didn't go through school and go to college and I didn't want to make those types of um, regrets. So I um, ended up getting into modeling because I was actually scouted by a magazine cover And at first I was really apprehensive because, um, you know, like people were bashing me all my teen life for my body and my looks. So I just was like, oh, do I really want to do this? Because I'm just going to get more of it, you know? And, And I think a part of me was so broken that I said, fuck it. Like people already talk shit to me. People already bash me. I've done nothing wrong to them. They've been bashing me since I was a child. So I might as well make some money and do it. And so that was the most money I made in just like an hour or two of shooting Hmm. for this huge automotive magazine that was all over the world at the time. Um, It was back then it was so hard to get on that cover because they were just so picky it's not like nowadays with instagram and social media everyone is a model everyone can be but before you actually had to be either scouted or you had to actually earn that title because you already had a resume and you were someone that um people would want to buy the magazine 
um, for or because. Mm -hmm. So they never hired girls that had no experience. And um, I lied and I said I was 18. I was really 17. <laughs> um, but I was really flattered because I knew who was on the covers before and they were these huge established international models and, and, and this little old me. Like I was not that cute before. <laughs> um, so I was flattered and I just did it. And from there, my career just kind of snowballed and I became Christine Mendoza. Um, I never really, when I started modeling, everything happened so fast because um, people just started hiring me all the time. And I didn't have time to really think about what bothered me because I felt like every time I would try to, you know, think about things that upset me, I would just go into this, you know, dark place and be depressed. And, you know, I was, I was living alone at the time and, um, you know, I didn't want to be that person. I just wanted to focus on work. And so when I started making a lot of money, I got addicted to seeing that number rise in my bank account because I've never seen that type of money ever in my life. And I started being able to help my mother more. I have a little sister who is um, a lot younger and I was able to help her through college. I was able to help her through prom and all the things that I never got to do when I was in high school, well, the short time I was in high school. And um, I was paying my mom's mortgage and I felt good because I think I was looking for some kind of validation or acceptance. But that wasn't healthy because I still didn't get it. You know, like money, you can make money, you can have money, you can give money away, but, um, you know, you, you only really truly feel at peace and happy with yourself when you really do that internal work. Um, so back then I was just literally trying to buy my family's love because I fucked up and not went to school and went to college. So even though I was making money and I was um, successful um, as time went on, I still had to deal with the stigma of coming from an Asian uh, background where education is so important that people, I mean, I've heard of people disowning kids because they don't get A's, you know? So it's hard. It's a, it's a culture thing for a lot of us. Um, and uh, the fact that I got a GED and I didn't go to college was the worst thing to my mom. Mm -hmm. I know she loves me. I know, um, you know, like we, we have a cordial, pretty good relationship, but I wish we were able to actually work on things sooner. And I wish we had, I had more memories, but I tried my best. And, um, and you know, like I'm, I'm happy with where I am now, but it definitely took a long process of just accepting and healing and, and moving forward. But, um, it definitely took a long time. <laughs> like it wasn't, yeah. wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy. I, I would say it actually took me becoming a mom to actually find my own peace. And that wasn't until I was late 20s, almost like 27, I think. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was 27 that I actually found my place in the world. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so. um, 
I'm, I'm curious to hear more about the world of modeling because that's not something that I have ever talked to someone who has experience in. So could you fill our listeners in on, on sort of what that, that stage of your life looked like? I know you said you were really busy. So was it like going from shoot to shoot or like what are, what goes on behind the scenes in, in like the world of modeling? Um, well, I'm, I'm short. <laughs> I'm five two. So obviously I'm, I wasn't a runway model or, a, um, uh, you know, a clothing model. Um, the modeling that I went into was glamour and bikini, lingerie, kind of like the um, Maxim style, Playboy-esque, um, bikini calendar type of uh, work. So that's called glamour modeling. And um, you, know, you tend to have curvier bodies and more of like a sexual innuendo in your photo shoots. Um, I did a lot of, um, I did some uh, commercial and movie work, but I wasn't that interested in pursuing that because I, I'm not really um, like a go-getter when it comes to, you know, sitting in castings and, you know, I'm more of a business-minded um, person. I saw the business side of modeling rather than just getting the fame and, and making the money because I feel like since I came to it so young, I got to see girls who went a negative route and I got to kind of just, you know, sadly watch their demise and they got into, you know, a lot of really um, scary situations because they, uh, they were living that fast life. Hmm. And when you're, when you're not stable in your life, not just, you know, mentally and emotionally. At that time, I definitely wasn't, but I was stable financially. So I was able to still build from that while working on myself. And the fact that I was always smart with money, I never had to rely on a man or a job, or I never had to do anything uh, I didn't want to do that was, you know, shady or, or uncomfortable. I got to call the shots with, with my job because... Uh, I'm just, you know, I thought about money before popularity, fame, that wasn't my goal. Um, so I became a business owner at 19, uh, shortly after I started modeling. And that's actually why I had so much independence and freedom to be my own boss. Whereas I've seen a lot of other girls that ended up um, just doing anything and everything just to make a buck. And you know, girls that had crazy potential ended up um, losing it all because they just lived that fast life. So, you know, I started uh, my entrepreneurship with websites. I, um, I had a paid membership website. Hmm. It's kind of like the websites that they have nowadays. And it's so, it's really interesting because back then uh, there were none that were like um, a paid membership site. Cause this was back when I was 19 and I'm 36 now. So I'm, that's, I'm old. <laughs> but um, back then the membership sites were either like Playboy or Maxim and uh, these large corporations that actually um, had these fan club membership sites and, and, you know, other girls that were a lot more established and uh, like the, you know, um, Baywatch type, celebrities they had paid membership websites and I thought like well why not me too you know like like I saw the the potential because it's like back then people didn't really you know people even just still had um 
uh, dial-up. Was that? I don't know. Is that a thing like back then? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. But people didn't have smartphones, and people didn't really have like um, the access to the computer or the internet like we do now. But I saw the potential back then because obviously a lot of people have access to the computers and and it's all over the world. So why not create a business that I can make income at all hours of the day as long as I promote myself and get these memberships that are recurring every month. So all I have to do is just keep up with the content. And that's actually how I started my um my entrepreneurship and so I was um, making a large amount of money back then because it wasn't that popular and also I think Asian girls with curvy bodies were, were like um, you know we weren't that emblazoned on the internet mm-hmm. or uh, TV so I was kind of like an anomaly to a lot of purbos out there mm. <laughs> um, but uh, I've had the most amazing fans that have been so supportive all my career and I owe a lot to them. And, um, and yeah, so that's actually how I started, uh, my first business. Huh? So how are you, how are you marketing that site and how are you like making people aware of it? Uh, I used to work with, um, uh, my webmaster who has, he's now in the Philippines, but he's still a good friend of mine and he's no longer in the business, but he was, working closely with Playboy and Maxim and what they did before, since there were no, um, you know, um, social medias and tumblers and stuff like that. They used to have, uh, um, what are they called? Thumbnail pages. And they're called thumbnail pages because they offer like, a, a like a web, it's like a website page that has, um, free content. Hmm. So if people see it, it's kind of like, here's a little freebie, and then they join it, and they click it, and it takes them to the website. So he would actually create thumbnail pages for different affiliate sites, and uh, that's how uh, I got a lot of traffic because, you know, the affiliate sites obviously want free content. So I had, um, you know, a little batch of all my shoots that had uh, five free content of each set, and it was dispersed to different um, larger websites like Maxim and Playboy and stuff like that. So it was a lot harder back then. Yeah. <laughs> now you can just scroll on Instagram and just add people. But before, people actually had to go and search and find you. Uh, but the good thing about back then is um, it wasn't so saturated. So I was able to really capitalize on the market early on and benefit from it. And also the knowledge that I gained at 19 on e-commerce is priceless because people nowadays, they're just kind of getting into it. And, um, you know, it's, it's such an amazing time for people to start a business. Um, but I'm really glad that I was able to get all of that knowledge at 19. So now at 36, I can, I can run online businesses like sleeping. <laughs> With the back of my hand with my eyes closed. Um, but that actually took a lot of um, uh, back-end work on actually running my sites myself and um, staying on top of content because, you know, when you don't, just like with any business, if you don't stay consistent with your product, people will either, um, you know, log off or enter their subscription or won't return. It's not just with, like, sexy websites it's with every single type of business and even nowadays i still stress out on content i'm like 
I have good people. <laughs> because I get I get really, really afraid of disappointing my fans and um, you know, just not producing because I'm just so used to doing that. So I like that I've learned that type of work ethic um, early on. So although I didn't have a formal education, I didn't go to college, I got like an up close and personal look at business and um, even just dealing with people. So um, that was, I guess you could say that's actually the best education for me because I actually got to experience, um, you know, the, the do's and the don'ts and the what worked and what didn't. So. Absolutely. So I kind of want to flash forward to today. Um, so could you fill our listeners in on like, what is, what's your core business model right now today? Um, coming from where you were at 19 to now here you are at 36. Um, I'm curious, yeah, where, where that looks right now. Um, well, back then I was a lot more focused on just making money because, mm-hmm. you know, like growing up and not having it and also being, you know, bashed and judged for not going to school and not having an education. People were like, oh, you're a whore. Um, you're stupid. You're an idiot. Um, you know, like you're, all you're good for is just your tits. <laughs> like I, I've heard it all. And, um, you know, it hurts because it's like people don't really realize what people go through and why they make the decisions they do. If I had um, a normal upbringing, uh, I probably would have loved going to college and I still want to get an education even at my age now but having to deal with all of that and then going into an industry where I was uncomfortable at first because I'm not um I'm a shy I'm normally a very shy person um so I wasn't that type of person to be like oh look at me I'm here like it was like oh I just want to work and go home so um that's actually why I started a business online versus going to castings and going to photo shoots because I don't like to be out and about. I just don't really have, um, I'm not a very social person Mm -hmm. fun. Like, like, especially I didn't want to do it for work every day. And back then, I mean, even still nowadays, like people have to go to castings all day, get there, deal with a room full of a hundred people and then talk to a panel who is either creepy or judgy or rude or you know like you're just dealing with all these personalities and everyone's gunning for one position and I didn't want to be a part of that rat race it's not that I thought that I was too good it was more like I'm uncomfortable I don't want to deal sure. with uncomfortable people like sitting in a room full of people that you're trying to vie for one position people aren't very nice to you you know and I just was like I don't want to do this anymore I want to be happy and alone or be with people that are nice to me. So I started my business and um, I still actually work with my photographer who used to shoot me um, at 19. Wow. Funny because he has been, oh no, actually I met him when I was 20. I'm sorry. My photographer at 20. He has been my only photographer uh, for my sites since I was 20. And the reason why is I'm just very, um, I'm very loyal to uh, the people that are good to me. And I don't like to deal with tons of people because I just, I've never, um, you know, considering my upbringing, I've just always been kind of like a a loner, but I'm happy about that now because I have very genuine relationships with people. But um, yeah, that, that actually is why I 
delved into online businesses and modeling versus actually going and getting, you know, other jobs. And people actually would bash me for that because they would say, oh, all you're good for is showing your tits online, um, blah, 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 blah. Why don't you go and do a movie or why don't you do like these other jobs that these other girls are doing? And I'm like, if you guys only really knew like what these girls had to do to get these types of jobs and get them consistently, you know, like all like in the news, you hear about producers being creepy and molesting people. And that's actually real. And I just didn't want to be a part of that, that group for, like, it just wasn't, I wasn't that desperate to be famous. You know, I knew that money could be made elsewhere without having to compromise my own dignity. And when I say that, people kind of laugh and they're like, well, they're naked, your boobies are all out. Um, but they don't really realize, like, when I do work, it's just my shell, it's just my appearance. But who I am outside of my website and my content um, is a totally um, different person. I'm a loner. <laughs> like, I'm a very... Uh, just a very simple loner girl. And that's why I only shot with Brian, like Brian Bobola, my photographer, because I only felt comfortable with him. So we would shoot uh, like 20 sets and trickle them down as content. And then I would only see him maybe um, the next month or two, shoot another 20 sets. And, and that was my job. Um, I didn't have to be a part of anything that damaged me or would attack me or even just be in a situation that had negative energy. I just didn't want any parts of it. So when people look at these girls on TV and these um, other magazines and they see them doing all this consistent work, that's great. And, you know, a lot of them actually deserve their work. They have great managers, agents, but the other side of the, these these types of girls who are constantly out there working, um, they're actually doing way more than just showing up to work, you know? And, and I just saw the demise from that because once they get old, they don't have money. They don't have a backup plan. They don't have a business and they're just kind of stuck. And it happens all the time. That's why they have all these like gossip magazines and these celebrity tabloids talking about people who are bad with their money because they spent their entire life um, blowing it and um, not really thinking about the future after those looks fade and after your desire to the public or whoever's hiring you is gone. Absolutely. It's like easy because they're, they're good looking now. Um, so yeah, that was uh, my journey into modeling. So after that, I um, made a ton of money and I lost a ton of money into business because I used the money that I made and I invested it into several businesses that um, uh, were brick and mortars because I didn't, I wanted to, you know, at the, back then I had a chip on my shoulder because although I was, although I knew who I am inside, I still cared about what my family thought and what people thought because, you know, I, I spent a lot of time alone. So when people used to tell me that, oh, internet is nothing. And then, you know, that's just a real business is a, is a business you can walk into, even though it's, it's not like it's no. back then they don't realize like the power of the internet and they actually bashed me for not having a brick and mortar. So 
I ended up investing into a brick and mortar because I wanted to show that I could do it. And I was still very young. I was in my early 20s. I invested into bars, uh, restaurant lounges. Um, last year, I had a cannabis club, mm. um, uh, clothing boutique, and different little things that I, I thought that um, would make me feel like, a, like, like well, not, not last year, but when I first invested into my first brick and mortar, I did it more so out of ego because I wanted to prove that I was smart or I was successful. And I didn't really do it the right way. I didn't, um, I think I just did it like just to prove something. Sure. Uh, and uh, I wasn't very smart with that investment and I lost a lot of money, <laughs> a lot. So I actually had to start over and um, rebuild myself because investing into that, I kind of put all of my eggs in one basket just really excited to to uh, be a um, a bar owner or a restaurant owner and I just was like yeah that's me um because also back then the stigma of a woman owning a bar was just what like women don't women don't own bars and I think I was just so fueled by everyone that has hurt me and said I couldn't do it I just wanted to do it and but that was coming from an unhealed unhealed part of me it wasn't coming from a place of love where I wanted to succeed because I was happy and this was my thing. It came from trying to prove people wrong from them telling me all this shit since I was a kid, high school, into adult life and, and doing, you know, my risque modeling. People just all, um, not people, but people that were closest to me um, would just basically shit on me. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to prove it. So I did. I opened a brick and mortar, lost, <laughs> lost a ton of money and uh, rebuilt myself and then um, opened my other businesses after. But um, going through that experience, I realized that business is great. Like you can make a ton of money. You can go and help provide for your family. Um, you can go and, and do things that you never imagined that you could do just because money, everyone needs money. But the thing is, is, if you're making a ton of money and you don't know how to um, invest it or save it, then you're always going to constantly be in that rat race. And that sucks, you know? And also, um, when people make a lot of money, that doesn't equate happiness. And I think a lot of people think like, oh, you know, I'm going to go and and be a millionaire and I'm going to be happy. Like, no, it's not always like that. Yeah. Um, I wasn't happy when I made the most money in my career. Like the times when I made the most money in my career um, was probably my most depressing, toxic times. And I immersed myself in work because I just didn't want to feel. And I just was so unhealthy because I was a robot just trying to prove something to people that don't really care, you know? Like I could literally save world hunger and the same people would be like, well, were your boobs out? <laughs> so the moral of the story is you can't please everybody. And even if you were to make millions of dollars, you still won't be happy if you don't do that internal work to get there. Because obviously I had all these issues and traumas that hurt me and money and popularity and, um, you know, people, like being nice to me because I was this model that was 
everything I thought I wanted when I was younger. Now I'm, you know, a mother now and I'm older and I'm like, that, that was toxic actually, because I wasn't happy. I wasn't fixing the root of the problem. Mm. So with that said, I, um, you know, I invested into uh, a cannabis club and um, that was great because I love the whole holistic healing um, and it was called Buddha Brothers Holistic Center. So we based it all on um, holistic healing. But um, I resonated more with CBD because CBD is such a, an amazing medicine. And I don't know if you guys or your, your viewers know much about it, but it is such a healthy medicine for our bodies. And it, uh, it's helped me with my anxiety. I had PTSD depression, like all of these things that I was struggling with since I was a child, um, obviously manifested into me as an adult. And I started taking CBD and I started healing. I started finding a lot more peace um, with who I, who I am, who I was, uh, my past. I started finding peace with um, my, my family and my friends. And it wasn't just CBD, by the way. It was also a lot of the work that I was doing for myself to get there. But CBD helped balance my, my moods and my brain to actually want to live a healthier lifestyle and to think clear without, you know, being too uh, upset or emotional over things. And um, that's seeing how it's helped me, uh, helped me live a health, healthier lifestyle. I decided to sell the dispensary and um, move forward with the CBD. So I went full blast on CBD um, and rather than have a dispensary, brick and mortar, that's gone, selling CBD strictly online. Hmm. With all the, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, it's funny because what I thought before was not look like I was told that online businesses back then were, weren't lucrative or it wasn't a thing. You need a brick and mortar, brick and mortar to now being at, this point in my life, not wanting a brick and mortar because I've been there and, you know, it, it's expensive. <laughs> it's a lot of work and there's a lot of legalities and, you know, staff versus, um, you know, uh, yeah, I just think it's funny now that um, I am actually back to just strictly online. And um, it's just funny how things work because uh, now everything kind of just came full circle. So since I have um, started this CBD journey, I said, I just don't want to do anything more than help people because seeing that I've been able to heal and also um, find some peace and closure, I wanted to continue to have a business that will help people. And so now, rather than just focusing on CBD, um, I wanted to go a step further and just actually uh, focus on women because I wanted to be able to um, be that voice and that person that I wish I had growing up. And, um, you know, I think it's important because especially with these younger girls who are developing a lot more faster nowadays and the pressures of social media and the constant bullying and then and the obvious pressures to look a certain way because of celebrities and and people that are always blasting, like, oh, you need a Lamborghini, or you need to have these things to be cool. Um, it's, I love the fact that I could tell someone that through experience, um, it's not all that 
mm. would imagine. And, you know, even like um, younger kids that I know, like my nieces and nephews, like they just always want the cool things that they see their favorite YouTube stars have and these mansions and, you know, like having a safe home. I feel like real estate is a good business investment. Having a beautiful and safe home is important if you can achieve that. Um, just because it gives you a lot of um, clarity and you sleep, eat, and rest there and your home should be your sanctuary. So when people always say like, oh, I need this car, I need this jewelry, I always tell people like you need to invest into either yourself, and it, well, if it's healing, um, your happiness, invest into a business, or invest into your education or invest into a home. And if you can't buy a home, make wherever you live your home. So rather than go and um, buy, you know, shoes that you don't need, fix up your room to make it look like your sanctuary. And it kind of puts you in the right mindset of the goal that you want to get to, you know, and when you're living in, a, in your home, whether it's in a cardboard box, you can still make that cardboard box look like, you know, a beautiful room in a mansion because, you know, all it takes is some nice bedding. <laughs> Clean up your room a little bit, but um, investing into yourself is the key because uh, I think kids nowadays and people are so pressured to look a certain way and yeah. a certain way, have certain things. And I've had um, a lot of cars. I've had a lot of fancy luxury cars and uh, those actually gave me more headache than it did, uh, you know, cool points because it just wasn't my style. But back then I thought that that was something I wanted. Um, so having a simple life for me now uh, feels really good because it's all, all I've ever wanted was stability, a family, and, um, you know, peace and, and happy happiness in a comfortable environment, which I never had. Um, and uh, I am excited to start um, talking to other women with face and body because I just feel like a lot of other uh, people out there, they haven't really experienced the ups and downs um, and are open with it. You know, a lot of these people online, they want to portray this perfect personality that everything is perfect from head to toe. Every day is, is amazing. And that's just not reality. That's not being human. Um, and I think it's important to, to tell women, especially women like myself who have a similar background, um, that I was broken many times. And, um, you know, like I, I had to actually make the steps to heal myself. Although I did try to heal it with work and making money, I actually made me more uh, depressed. So I always tell people that um, the internal work is so important, no matter if it's painful and you have to revisit things and, and rip open scars and wounds to just heal properly. That's important because you're not going to fully heal unless you do it now. Um, and it can take months and years, but as long as you're, you're taking that step and going through that process, um, it'll happen for you. You'll find peace. Because um, I know so many people who are like old, like <laughs> 90, who are still the same people cartering, carting the same trauma around. 
from their childhood and you know they don't really they kind of die still unhealed and that's just a sad way to live life yeah um I think a lot of young people, especially, they think there's like some magic number that once they hit it, like once they're making this much money or once they're like doing this many things or have this car, they think they will have like made it or like feel that satisfaction. But I mean, it sounds like from your experience, that definitely wasn't the case. No, I, I, you know, the instant gratification, I will say like getting, finally getting something that you didn't think you'd ever get. Yeah, that I would say I had. I was like, oh my gosh, I actually have this. Um, But after maybe a day it was like <laughs> buyer's remorse <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but it wasn't that serious and it actually became more of a bill than it was something that helped me in my lifestyle um it was more it gave me more anxiety to like drive a bentley worried that you know the leather is going to be scratched by my jacket zipper or a ring and the you know insurance on that thing is crazy and just people dig your car just because they're rushing and I didn't want to have to deal with that. So I actually had more anxiety because, you know, in reality, I'm very, very frugal with myself. I don't like to spend a lot of money. So I think a lot of the things I've spent a lot on were just driven by ego and insecurity because I was not happy. And um, so, yeah, I would get anxiety, <laughs> like driving a nice car. And I drive like shit. Like I, I can find every pothole in the city and I'll roll over it twice. And it just, it actually made me feel worse. So, um, getting rid of my Bentley, um, I actually, uh, my husband was like, no, I don't want you to get rid of it because he's into cars. He's a car guy. And I said, I just can't, I don't want it anymore. It reminds me of like the person that I I was unhealed and like, if people like nice things, they can, you know, you're entitled to have them. Like my husband, he has nice things because that's his style. But for me, I'm just not that person and it just gave me more anxiety and I just hated spending the money on insurance and maintenance and all that. So when I sold it, I took it and I invested it into real estate. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband was like, no, 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 like, like he loves cars and he's like the opposite of me. He's very like, he likes those things. Those daily things and <laughs> um but you know like I said I don't judge people that that do because obviously I'm married to a person that loves material items but I can see that um it's it's not the core foundation of what makes someone happy it can be your style but you actually have to do inner work to be happy and he's done his inner work so that's his style and he's cool, but um, investing it into real estate after, I proved the point because I had a Bentley that was depreciating in value every second it sat in my garage. I probably drove it once a month and I invested into real estate and the property um, tripled in value within six months. So I made money rather than lost money having um, um, a depreciating car so Mm. so that's a that's a um something i've learned with uh my progress is that um smart uh investments um can actually help you in the future rather than looking cool now because it's just not worth it the right people who will um love you for you will come into your life and the people that only want to be around when they see that you have things or you're 
uh, making money are people that are probably just trying to use you and have ulterior motives. And um, you don't really want to deal with that. It's just not pointless. That is the truth. Well, Christine, you've been dropping an amazing amount of value on our listeners today, and I'm extremely grateful for that. Where can they go to follow up with you and learn more about what you're doing, um, both on the personal side and then with Face and Body as well? Uh, You can go to faceandbody.com. It's F-E-C-E-N-B-A-W-D-Y.com. You can find my podcast. It's Body Talk with Christine Mendoza. It's on Apple, Spotify, um, Google, basically all the streaming um, platforms. And um, we're also on Instagram, space and body, F-A-C-E-N-B-A-W-D-Y. Awesome. I'll be sure to link up all those in the show notes for our listeners. Christine, again, I'm extremely grateful for you and your time. Do you have any last uh, parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to share with the listeners? Um, you know, I think I've actually said a lot. I'm talking super fast. I want to put everything in, but I'm just really excited that you have this um, uh, audience of younger people. And I love being able to share my uh, downfalls and experiences. And just know as you get older, um, that internal work is important. And you being young, start now because you don't want to be like me, an old lady, <laughs> having to have kids to like start my work, you know? So um, it's important. I'll always try to put your mental, emotional um, health first b- before anything else, because like I said, it's just going to keep carting around through life. And I was very, very old <laughs> when I finally started healing. And I wish I had this knowledge when I was younger. So put yourself first. Always. That is the truth. Thank you so much, Christine. I really do appreciate you being here on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye. Well, y'all, that is a wrap. That's another episode of Young Smart Money in the Books. If you guys enjoyed this episode, I got two quick asks of you really quick. The first of which is if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would mean the absolute world to me. We're closing in on 200 reviews right now. Um, I read each and every one of those. And if you uh, screenshot it, tag me in your Instagram story, I will be sure to repost that as well. The second thing that I want to ask you is if you guys are interested in starting your own podcast, okay, learning how I was able to take young, smart money from the ground up, turn it into a top 100 business podcast in a few short months, I put together this free training that I'm, I'm giving away to people, basically teaching you the secrets to podcasting, the stuff that other people aren't really talking about. Like you can find videos online of like the best podcasting setup or like the best podcasting gear, but no one's really talking about how to land big guests, how to network with influencers, how to actually monetize your show. So I want to put together a free training uh, for that. If you guys are interested, the link will be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, you can go to applecriter.com slash podcast. That's applecriter.com slash podcast. And check out that absolutely free training that I put together for y'all to uh, get yourself educated in the world of podcasting. So that's something that I'm really passionate about. So I want to teach others. But guys, that's going to wrap it up for the show. Don't want to waste too much of your time. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you chose to spend this last hour here on Young Smart Money.